Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and hey, 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 wake up, people. I'm talking to you. Today, we're talking about God speaking for himself in Isaiah. Tim Ayers is here to discuss our sermon series, Didn't See That Coming. But before we solve the most powerful God in the universe war, now that they've used the word I 10 times, let's welcome in our favorite birds of prey from the East, Marin and Tim. <laughs> hey. hey, guys. Wow. That's, you're How you guys doing, that, that was Tyler? Excellent. I just got to say, at, at least I <laughs> yeah. know one person listened to the sermon. <laughs> You know. <laughs> That's right, man. Besides you, I, I you and, and uh, let's see, it's Brian Pratt on cam- camera this week. So it's uh, two of you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How you guys doing? Doing good. How about you? Good. Uh, Marin, you're fresh so, off vacation. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those vacations where like there was something work related every day. So it was like. There was a point. That's at not which called vacation. No, I know. Yeah, that's not. It's that's just not. not the best time to try to completely like disconnect from work. Like we're gearing up to reopen our campus, and we're gearing up to record the final couple of weekend services. So there's just a lot to do in mm-hmm. terms of planning and scheduling, and just kind of the nuts and bolts of making things happen. So that's what vacation is getting to look at a different wall. While you work, oh, that's all well and good. I I don't care about that part. What I care about <laughs> is hearing. Here he goes about your run in with law goes. enforcement. I knew you were gonna bring this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I minded my own business last week, just keeping my head down, nose to the grindstone, and all of a sudden, uh, your daughter posts a picture. Yeah. A series of pictures of a uh, soaking wet dad <laughs> <laughs> standing underneath a waterfall just looking sad talking to a police officer in, and I need an explanation. What is going on? Trunks no less. Um <laughs> Yeah. What what did Jed do? So, we Gaffrins, we like we like the great outdoors. We love to go hiking. Um, and we took a trip to Cataract Falls for the first time, which I guess if you haven't heard is uh, the biggest waterfall in all of Indiana. So it's never enough for my husband and my children to simply marvel at the beauty of nature or to stand where they're supposed to stand in awe of the nature. It it drives me crazy, but they are the adventurous types that want to, like, get in the water. And it seemed as though maybe it was kind of this... I don't know, kind of this unspoken, yeah, it's okay, everybody does it kind of thing. Because we look down in this waterfall, and there's like a pregnant woman doing a maternity shoot, like, in the waterfall. <laughs> and there's just, yeah, like a photo, like a photo shoot. shoot. There's like people everywhere. So Jed, of course, is like, hey, guys, let's let's go get in the water. So we had gone there two days in a row. Um, there's a couple of different waterfalls there. And so we, we swam in the designated swimming area and then they swam all the way out to the waterfall. And that day was cool. But this was the day that they wanted to go behind and underneath like some of the biggest parts of the, the waterfall park. So they did. And again, they, they weren't the only ones that were there, but it just so happened that when Jed was in the water, like blissfully, like letting the force of the waterfall, like push him downstream, yeah. he was just like free floating. Uh, the the officer came and was very, very kind. He said to Jed, you know, I, 
I hate to be that guy to ruin your fun, but <laughs> you really can't swim here. And when when Jed got out of the water to like face his fate, I for sure thought he was going to get a ticket. He was going to get fined or something. And Desi said, Mom, snap a picture. She really uh, wanted a picture of that moment. And I think that is just how yeah. this generation thinks. Everything needs to be captured, needs to be posted. And she was happy to do so. It was the best because Jed didn't even have like a towel. It was just like, he looked like a wet rat That's talking funny. to police officers. Just like very downtrodden look on his face. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's really, really funny. It's my new uh, phone wallpaper. <laughs> Tim, what's up with you? What's what's um, going on? It's been How's okay. Your summer been? I mean, everybody. Yeah, we you were just got back two weeks too, in from Michigan. vacation. That's. I think I have a genetic something or other that says if you're not gone three weeks, you haven't vacationed. But uh, um, yeah. two weeks was okay. But it wasn't. It, we need. We had just started to really unwind when it was over. Right. And uh, yeah. I rode my bike a ton, and the fishing was great. So, I do you fish yeah, off a we boat, actually or do you go to like a pier a, or something? We have two boats. I have a a sea ray, a little sea ray that for just like skiing or getting around the lake, and it's old, but it's cool. It's because we only use it mm-hmm. a few weeks a year. And then i I bought a few years ago a. It's a 13-foot fish aluminum fishing boat that had been in the family for like 50 years or something. And it's cool because it's so old school. And I fish out of that. It has a little Honda four-stroke on the back, and it gets up and rocks. And the lake is... I don't I know what, any, what does that. Motor. I don't know what that means. No, no, it's a. Oh, okay. It's not it. a trolling motor. <laughs> it, that boat will go forty-five miles an hour. <laughs> oh wow! So, yeah, it's a four-stroke means it just uses regular gasoline. Okay. And, um, but I bought it from Jennifer's uncle because he's older and they weren't. He wasn't going to fish out of it anymore, and I wanted to keep it in the family. And a guy was working on the motor this year before he brought it to me, and he said. This engine is 36 years old. So, hey, you know, so like for me to say I have two boats, it's not like anything wild and woolly, you know, it's like <laughs> they're old boats, but they, we keep them up there in Michigan. I don't even bring them home any, haven't for decades. And, uh, but the fishing was good, which was unusual. So, yeah. When you're up there fishing, are you doing that? Are you and Jennifer doing that, or are you doing that with some friends up there? Or are you by yourself? Well, sometimes I'm by myself, but it's uh, Jennifer and I are almost always together when we're fishing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we were together when That's we cool. caught the fish this year. I fished a lot without her and didn't get anything, and then I went out with her, and they just bang. Just, <laughs> and we don't keep, we don't keep yeah. them, and we don't eat them or anything. We just put them back. It's just the fun of being yeah. in a boat cool. on a lake. Are you, do you guys go up there more than once this one time not, per year? We did you, last year. This is it We're for not the year. this year because my daughter's having a baby in August and my daughter-in-law's having a baby at the end of August, early September. So uh, we would have. Gotcha. That's when we would have gone back. But no, not this year. Yeah. That's, uh, oddly, hmm. I don't know that well, we'll even get to see them, though, because of the. 
restrictions on who gets to see babies and stuff. Right. So we'll just have to wait and see how it all works out. Right. Yeah. So before we started this pod, Tim, you asked, are we going to talk about church stuff? We're we going to talk about yeah. new bands. So I want to talk okay. about new bands. <laughs> what, what are you listening okay, to right not, now? What, I mean, what, what, everybody, all the everybody's going to go. Oh, they're not new bands. But I've reunited with Foles. Do you listen to Foles? I've heard of them. Listen oh. to the song "What Went Down." Okay, that's that'll start it. They're they what they're into is just so um, apropos to the moment. These and the other band is called They Promised Us Jetpacks. Never you know heard of band? them. No. Yeah, listen to them too, because what it is is they're these young bands that are they have realized the beauty of the sound of a a Stratocaster plugged straight into two Princeton reverbs <laughs> and a Fender jazz bass plugged right into an old acoustic three seventy one amp. They're just they're just blowing the seams out of those amps, <laughs> but they're they don't have like sixteen feet of pedals in front of them. They're just plugging in and playing music, and I find <laughs> it I find it energizing and fun, and um, the sounds are just so real and raw, and so the songs are real and raw too right. because the and I'm just with them. I'm just with them and wishing I was 17 again because <laughs> because that's what I did when I was that age. You know, you plugged my I plugged my Les Paul into a Fender. I had a showman head and <laughs> I just plugged it in and turned it up. And I, I can always tell when I'm talking to a guitar guy, you know, because like usually the bands that you will recommend <laughs> or the things that you really like have this kind of like realist quality to them and this rawness quality to them and there's different kinds of guitar guys you're not a pedal guy you're not an effects guy you just want that raw power and that that sound that that you fell in love with when you yeah, first started playing i like i mean i had a walker I, I still have it and uh i had i like using um you can use a little tube screamer, but I'd rather just turn the amp up yeah. and make the tube scream. Yeah. And um, a volume pedal is always helpful, but otherwise, I'm fine. If it's a good guitar, if it's a good guitar, the, it'll it'll do what you want. So, all the people who were here for Tim's fishing report three minutes ago have now exited yeah. out. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they're multi, they're not listening anymore. Pod. Yeah. I'll tell you. Any- yeah. So, okay. Ahead, are Tyler. you, well, I was just going to say, are you rediscovering these no. bands or are you coming no, across I've them come for the across first time? Them. I'm going to be straight. I listened to Carmel high school radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And WHCE. it is the best channel. It's the best radio in town and they kill me. I can, I can hear eight, 10 songs in a row. I've never heard of any of the bands. I look them up and I'm stunned at yeah. and I'm just thankful that Sweet. I don't know who's their play per play picking their songs, but they are just killing it. And so I, yeah. there's nothing, I, I think you can tell something by what now nah, people don't have radios in their cars anymore, hardly, but if you, what their presets are on their car radios will tell you a lot about, about them. And <laughs> oh, if yeah. they'd have, I always figured if somebody my age had oldies channels, 
in their car, then I probably wouldn't have much to talk about. (laughs) Anyway, that's just me. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Foles and uh, they they promised promised us jetpacks. Is is this family friendly? (laughs) Like, can we go listen to it with the family or is this well for some reason on that on that one full song they have a warning on the video but i can't figure out why maybe just because it's kind of intense but it's mostly just them playing and there's nothing dirty in the songs it's not like vile or anything like that it's just intense hmm. all right and my yeah, wife my out. wife i played them for her and she was dancing and digging it so like that's always a positive well, I'm I'm hanging out with your wife tomorrow yeah. morning, so maybe I'll have her play them for me. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's cool. Anything new I hear comes from Jaden. Desi yeah, Desi is on this like rediscovery of everything from Tin Pan Alley to the old crooners of the '50s and '60s. She's just she's an old soul. But anything Settle new down. I'm hearing is coming from Jaden, and some of it it takes me a minute to warm up to. Some of it just makes me mad. There's a kid he listens to named Jacob Collier who's super talented and plays mm-hmm. everything. But it's kind of this like jazz fusion meets elements of pop music. But all I hear are the people he's ripping off. And oh. then it just turns into this giant like, yeah. sit down, boy, let me teach you. And I teach my son that he is taking a line from... You know, Parliament Funkadelic and George Clinton, and it just, yeah, yeah, it's all I hear. I feel like, well, you guys are different, but most people I know, and myself included, like you get to an age that's like, all right, I've listened to enough. I know what I like, and that's all I'm going to listen to the rest of my life. Like for the past seven years, all I've listened to is like Foo <laughs> Fighters and. It's like the same music some I was listening to a decade ago. And I would know? put the Foo Fighters in that camp. Like some music, you know, kind yeah. of a flash in the pan. Who listens to ska anymore? But some music just stands yeah. the test of time. And I would That's say that true. they're in that, that. I understand that. Yeah. But I always like having the the door open. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Foo Fighters, but there was a time when they were brand new and they were, they were. Right. You know, who was listening to the Foo Fighters? They were but, that guy from Nirvana. That's what well, they were. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just mean like, there was a time in my life where it was like, give me, give me all the music. Give me, give me your suggestions. Make playlists for me, all this stuff. And then I got, I don't know what age it was, but I got to an age where I, if somebody suggests me new music and I was like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. I already know it what I like. happens, to Give me know? all the games. That's the yeah. the natural progression of your life. Yeah, that, <laughs> it's no it's normal yeah. for for yeah. us to we get interested in other things. I yeah I have yeah. I work at it. Mm. And and it's yeah. just because I'm I think the more I work at it, the more hope it gives me for the future, if, if I can say that. I mm. mean that's the reason I listen to it. Because the truth yeah. is when I was really young when the when rock and roll was, you know, like in the middle sixties, those people couldn't play very well. You know, those, if you, you know, <laughs> you know, if you really are honest, the guys that the Kingsmen were terrible, but they sold, you know, they made Louie Louie <laughs> famous and some people swear it's the best song that was ever recorded. And it's awful, but 
I just like seeing people who I like Shots seeing fired. how the people are learning to play instruments differently and doing things that are uh, raw and uh, soulful and meaningful. Yeah. That's what, so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I promised you guys this would be like a 20 minute pod and we're at minute 18. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go late, but uh, I want to transition to the sermon. This is our first pod in like three weeks. And by the way, Barry's not here. Uh, I guess I should have mentioned that at the top, but Barry's on vacation. He's been he's been gone for this is second week now. Uh, we hope he's doing well. He's doing stuff on his farm. Like four days ago, he asked me if I wanted to come help him do stuff on his farm. Did you? Uh, well, <laughs> I was going to, but right. circumstances uh, yes, prevented circumstances. me from from going up. Yeah, yeah. Jed and it. Jed and Jaden were over there this um, morning. Helping to, I think oh, cool. Jed brought a chainsaw and Jaden brought a weed whacker and they helped him for about two hours. It wasn't very long, but they got to hang out with Barry on vacation. Yeah, it sounds like Barry's like a, what do they say, like a, a pig in mud <laughs> pig or slop. whatever they, what do they say? Pig and slop. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's loving it. He He's loving it. Um, so we've started a new sermon series two weeks ago. He, he actually kicked it off. It's called... Um, Oh shoot! What's it called? <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Is what it's called. Skip uh, every single I never, time. Yeah, I have it right in front of me. I I have the notes right in front of me. So didn't see that coming. Uh, we're focusing on uh, the Book of Isaiah, and um, the way Barry phrased it to us, at least, was that it's Second Isaiah. And that doesn't really make sense to me. Tim, yeah, maybe you, this can make sense to you. But um, well, I don't want to get into the details of that, but. That there are um, a lot of scholars who believe that the book is divided. You can divide it up into separate sections based on when the different different prophets wrote things to different people, and um, it's clear mm-hmm. that that section that we're talking about is different from the first section and different from the sections after it, and so some times they just refer to it as it's it's just a a way to divide it up but it is clear that i mean they we know that many of the prophets especially the books that are longer they didn't one person did not receive all those prophecies the people within the school or the influence of a particular prophet were the ones that wrote down what came and they compiled them on one scroll and so it's it's difficult to sometimes even tell where one part begins and one another one ends. But in this particular case, it's pretty clear that those fifteen chapters are the second hunk of something in the in the book of Isaiah. So I, yeah, you you kind of kicked off your your sermon talking about how this is you know one long well Hebrew yeah the poem passage that I the was chap- yeah Barry asked me to do chapter 46, but it is just a part of a longer poem. The, the chapters mm-hmm. don't, and the verses don't have any meaning whatsoever to the divisions of the original text. And is that the case throughout the whole Bible? It's so interesting. It is. It is. Now, sometimes it's obvious there should be a break, but the divisions were done. Um, Oh, darn. I used to have the mem in my mind when they did the chapter. They did the chapters first, 
and that might have been like 15, 15th century or something. I, I, I just don't have that. It's easy to find out. They did the verses later, but they didn't do it based on anything related to the to the text. They did it simply. They did it to all ancient literature. They did it to everybody, hmm. and they did it to this. They did it to everything, so that it was easy for people to find it. Because once they started having books of these things, when people when they say, "Can you turn to this?" they had to have a way to turn to something yeah. quickly. That, and I think I've said this before, but they in seminary, they told me that they just put guys in the back of a cart. And every time the cart bounced really high, he would mark a chapter change. And when it bounced him or a verse change, and when it bounced him way high, he'd mark a chapter change. He just <laughs> would be reading and mark. It's because it's so unhelpful. Some so often mm-hmm. it's just unhelpful. Mm. I, I love figuring out the actual literary divisions and putting them into those kinds of divisions. If you, because actually the Greek texts are in all capital letters with no spaces between any of the words. So think about that for a while. Yeah. The original texts were, um, no spaces between the words. Paper was so expensive. Yep. Yeah, and they paid people to fit everything on. Wow. Hey, look at I you, Marin. <laughs> yeah, there were three sizes of scrolls, uh, three sizes of scrolls in the first century. And that's why we have long books, middle sized books, and short books. Hmm. So, and yeah, there's so wow. much about that stuff that that's, I find interesting, but it doesn't preach very well. So. So, what was the big idea of your sermon? Well, what did you want the, people to it was the same as the week here? before that God is still working, um, and I've I tried to focus in on the fact that the way that God worked out of the passage that we studied was not was something nobody would have seen coming, and that God was working a long time before even the prophecy came to them to make to make things happen, to free them from exile. And that God was working at a time when everybody thought things were just dead in the water. Mm. Yeah. So in exile, you know, the chapter 46 is, is you said it's basically God well, it is, speaking to not basically, the Israelites, it, it right? It is. It's a straight quote. The whole of that poem is a straight quote. So, And so... While the Jews were in exile with the Babylonians, um, were like, can you explain what what exactly that meant? Like, were they no, slaves? No, they weren't slaves. Were they, just- they weren't slaves, but they were they were brought there to do specific things, and to what they hoped was the Babylonians hoped that the elite part of the culture would f- start to function well in the Babylonian culture and they would become Babylonian. The people who were left behind were mostly poor farmers. In fact, we know that they had all kinds of famine and starvation and trouble back in Judah after they took the the landowners and the and the leadership away. And so what they hoped was that the other people back in the land would just become worthless serfs and that the people who mm-hmm. were 
elite would become Babylonians. They would use their gifts in the Babylonian world and Jewish culture would disappear. Hmm. And they did that everywhere. They did that everywhere because what they really wanted to do was to make it so that the other lands had no culture that would ever be able to equal theirs or threaten theirs. And so they did that yeah. with everybody. But okay. That's an interesting distinction from uh, Egyptian captivity. So I think people who, yeah. who don't know the timeline, they're probably thinking of, you know, making bricks in the hot sun and kind of equating it to that. Yeah. But you're saying it wasn't like that. In fact, some of them um, worked, in, worked for people in government. Uh, Daniel, kind of, Daniel is, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jewish elite young men who were brought there to be trained to become leaders, leader people in the government. Daniel ends up or controlling all kinds of stuff. Uh, half of the empire he was in control of. Yeah. And he main, he was able to maintain his Jewish, his faith in the midst of be, his name was changed to Belteshazzar. Well, Bell, that first, mm-hmm. that Bell is the, his name is like, means something like he who worships Baal or he who belongs to Bell or something like that. They gave them all names hmm. that represented the culture that they were being asked or forced. Because remember, they were conquered, they were a conquered nation hmm. and they were hauled off but they it wasn't slavery it was just that they couldn't okay. go home so, uh, and so the 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 didn't see that coming part you said was basically um the bird yeah. of prey from the east right and um this was this was later discovered or determined it was yeah, cyrus of fact, persia the jews still believe that all of the prophecies of the old testament that we attest to Jesus were about Cyrus because Cyrus was the one that was prophesied to come and take them out of exile. And they can find ways to make all of those prophecies work for Cyrus, for Cyrus. And so, yeah, if you talk to Jewish people, they think we're crazy. I mean, Orthodox Jewish people, they, they think we're crazy that we would find Jesus in the old Testament at all, at all, because they say it's so clear from history that that was Cyrus. And it it was such a surprise because, because well, why? because the Persians were not considered to be people that would have ever had the ability to put together armies and to be able to do what they did. The the I've I read a couple of sources that said that the the Babylonians did not believe that the Persians were fully human; they were just above animals. I think I said that in a sermon, and they were. They were originally nomadic, and they didn't, and they were Zoroastrian too. So their religion was weird, and this just—they just were on the edges of society. And they were—it's where Iran. They came from where Iran is now, and uh, the Babylonians just thought, "Oh, we're so great, we're so wonderful. We don't need to worry about those people." Mm. And. Uh, they did need to worry about those people. There's a lot. I mean, if you want to know, there's a lot more history. When you get to the exilic period, 
there's a lot more archaeological stuff and historical stuff that you can read about about those people because we're getting closer and closer to us. And so it's not like when we're talking about Abraham and those guys where there's like nothing to mm. hardly anything to give us any right. true historical records or anything. How long did that period last? The exile? Mm-hmm. Well, the whole of the whole thing was about 70 years. The time of the elites going in is not quite, I think it's like 38 years or something like that. But the, remember, there's an earlier exile of the people in the northern kingdom to, that were taken away. So right. um, most of the Jewish sources that I read just called it a 70-year period. And of course, that's a 70 years is a number that it's the number of God times the number of perfection. And so, hmm. you know, and we're talking about hmm. 6th century, I think, 5th or 6th century BC. And so we're talking about a long time ago. So that number 70 actually feeds into something else. So. Yeah. The, the thing that I found super interesting in your sermon is, and in this passage, chapter 46, was... God says that he's ready to set things right right now. Like maybe I'm mistaken, maybe I don't know, but it always seems like when we're reading stuff like this it's like I will do something. I will do something. Have faith. I will do something. But he in this passage he's saying yeah. I'm going to do it right now. And do do you did you see um I don't know. Did that strike either of you guys? Like, does that strike either of you guys as something different that God did to, and how well, he communicated to people? Yeah, because um, it's it was a showing of his his uh, intent. I wish we knew when the Isaiah chapter was written, so that we'd know what kind of timeline it was right. between the prophecy and the actual living it out, because it actually happened. Yeah, and. You know, there are people who say, well, they wrote it after the fact, but that one other interesting thing is that there's a description of Bell and Nebo being taken down and bending over and all that stuff and being hauled away in that poem. And that never happened. Hmm. It's just a picture of how God saw those gods or those idols. It's not that that never happened. When when Cyrus came into Babylon and saw them, he paid great homage to the culture of the time because he's a Zoroastrian and he's trying to make everybody be on his team. And so he honored those particular gods. He never tore the idols down. Now, they clearly came down sometime, but the, he didn't do it. Huh. So. And when you say idols, like, were these big statues? Yeah, what, the, the what ones they're talking about there would have been the primary stat, the primary statues from the temples in Babylon. They would have been big. That we know about them hauling them around, and that they had to have big carts, and it was a lot of work to, and lots of animals. But, okay, but you know, people also made little copies of them and things like that. So, yeah. Um. Okay, so the general idea of didn't see that coming was, you know, God lets us know that he's still working 
even in ways that we don't expect. Um, and a lot of times we're on this podcast saying, you know, looking back, we can see that he actually does it, that he actually does deliver on promises. Or he, um, or he orchestrates events in ways that we would have never expected them to develop. And we can only see them in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. And Tim, you said um, when you were in Michigan, you heard him say basically similarly to what we read in this passage, like, don't yeah. you know who's talking to you? Or can you can you explain a little bit more? Well, I think what I heard, what I heard was um, mostly that I needed to start thinking about my life in terms of what were the events that brought me to this and to that and what, and my, my life is just a, is just a string of chapters that all start with, I cannot believe that that one thing changed everything about the direction of my life because at the time it didn't, I couldn't have recognized it as such. Mm -hmm. And yet, I mean, I could, I could tell you numerous stories about that and yet that's what god told the jews to do was to remember what i did in the past Hmm. and i needed to remember what he did in the past because i'm in a point in my life where i'm thinking i don't have many chapters left and i need to i need to trust him that even though Hmm. i don't know what's going on half the time, especially now. I don't know what's going on. But there were moments, big moments in our lives where we didn't have any clue. And then something happened and it just seemed to come out of, oh, okay, we'll do that. Or, oh, I talked to this. And suddenly, as I look back, my goodness, God was definitely working. And I just have to lean into that more so that I can live through the next, whatever we're going through as a culture, whatever we're going through as a nation, whatever we're, I'm going through as a family and, and trust him mm. for the next chapter. Cause the next chapters are not that far away. So. Yeah. I have a lot of stories in my life too, where the things maybe I was even praying for or asking for, you know, weren't answered the way that I wanted to. But looking back, like if it would have happened any other way, I don't know that I would have be the person I, I, I am today. You know, if I would have if I would have received the things I was praying for, I, I right. wouldn't be here. And I get that. I I don't want to go into the details of my life, but there have been a number of times when just things out of the blue happened, and they set off a chain over time that would have never happened if the first thing, the Mm -hmm. first domino had not fallen. And the direction of literally everybody in my family's lives were changed utterly. And I have no idea what it would have been like if that one thing had not happened. And I cannot, but for the life of me, believe that that's been God's hand on us. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like and, that goes for just about everyone. Well, yeah. I, I, think, I it, think when we try to remember, sometimes we're trying to remember the big things. You know, remember the time he parted the Red Sea? Like we're trying to find a moment like that in our memory or in our story of when he did something 
big and mighty for us. But I think, I think it's, it's more in the little things. Sometimes it is in the big kind of life altering turning point moments, but sometimes it's, it's in the smaller things and it's kind of like this thread that you start pulling at it and just unravels the entire storyline of your life. I listened to your sermon driving home from a 4th of July celebration. I was at my best friend's house, uh, my best friend Sarah. If I were to tell the story of my relationship with Sarah, we've been friends since we were about second graders, I want to say. But there was a dark period in her life where for seven years her life just was kind of spiraling out of control and, and went nowhere. Um, for seven years, it was so hard to, to watch someone I love that much go through the things that she went through. Well, my husband and I started going to this church in Chicago, met this guy named John. Long story short, they're married now and they've got a kid. And it's just one of those things that I can point to like, wow, had we not visited this church, had we not started going to this church, yeah. the, the people's lives around us were impacted by something so minor that was clearly God orchestrated. And we might have thought, hey, we're going to that church because it's a really good thing for our family or whatever. We could have seen it one way, not knowing that God was setting these other things in motion. We never would have known. And so right. just listening to your message on my way home from her house was powerful. And I listened to it with uh, <laughs> both kids. Jaden told me in the worship block of that set, guys, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it was it was about 1:30 in what? the morning. We're driving home from I want to say Hobart, Indiana from Northwest Indiana. And Jaden, uh -huh. he's not a night owl, but Desi is. So she was awake for every word and I I turned to her quickly after the service had ended and said, "All right. Can you can you think of a time in your 14 years of life? Can you think of a time that God was there?" And she didn't even have to mull it over. I would have thought that someone as young as, as her would have had a harder time pointing to things like that in her life. But instantly, she's like, oh, no, the, the time that God uh, kept me in my, my, my junior high school. We had moved to a different high school district or to a different junior high school district, and she was going to have to change junior highs for the third year in a row, which to a preteen girl is a nightmare yeah. and at the very last minute god came through with another plan used a woman from this church to help her get to and from school and saved her eighth grade year and desi can mm. point to god's faithfulness with that story and then and then there was another story that she just rattled off the top of her head so i feel like these pictures are everywhere whether they be big and life-altering, or seemingly small and insignificant, but led to so many other things. Right. And I, I think it's important that we uh, write them down or think yeah. about them or tell people. I mean, when I, if I, when I think about where my children are in their lives right now and what got them to where they are, it all goes back to one moment, one moment. And, I, I don't know that my kids even know that. I was thinking that the reason God tells us to remember it is I think that our faith is built on history. 
Hmm. And hmm. we all have history. Our lives are, are can be all over the map, but God is present in some way that we can say, yeah, we can remember the things he did in the past. And it's the history of that that gives us confidence for tomorrow. And that's what that was the biggest thing that I took out of the preparation for the sermon. And that's why I read that passage at the very end to everybody, because it just simply says, I'm there. I'm going to take, I'm thinking, just the fact that he was thinking, he's thinking about us is mm-hmm. the thing that, that is important to me. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, especially in a time where it's easy to be anxious or scared or, you know, COVID's on the rise again in our country and it's easy to, it's easy to not pay attention to either the past and what, how God has been faithful in my life or just kind of turtle myself and kind of like handle, handle situations mm-hmm. on my own. Um, and so the, the, the simple truth of God is still working and he will carry you. Um, because look at, look at the examples, um, in my own life or in my family's life that have gotten to us, gotten us to this point. Is he not capable of carrying us through things like a global pandemic, you know? Uh, and so, yeah, it was really encouraging to, to, to think that way. It, it was a meaningful sermon to me because I had two weeks to think, to sit on it. And I just, I just felt like I needed to make it, it needed to end in a personal manner in some way. So Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, thank you. I'm not really big on telling the details of my own life, but, this one made me think about the details of my own life before I, before I said anything, you know, that's the, what, what does that passage mean to me is important, is really an important aspect of being a pass a preacher who's a pastor. Hmm. And then, and I had to yeah. figure out what is the best way for me to tell you what this passage means to me. That's what, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. Thanks for sharing yep. that sermon with us. Um, do you know the next time you'll be preaching? Uh, the, the 8th of August, because I'm doing a wedding cool. so just... at 3.30 <laughs> yeah, on Saturday on the 8th. Yeah, oh, my so goodness. I gotta, I'm, I'm hoping for a police escort. I already... T- Wow, they got a helicopter yeah, in you in or something. So I think I can get there, but I'm going to be walking on stage. Wow. Right. I'll be in a suit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Well, if you can't make yeah. it, yeah, Marin will step right in, in for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next week, Amy will be giving yeah. us a sermon. Is that right? I think Barry's, yeah, Barry's not here to tell me, but mm-hmm. okay, cool. Amy will be here. Hopefully, she'll uh, join us for the pod. Barry will be back. Marin, are you going on no, another no. vacation anytime no. soon? Are you? Nope. No. <laughs> okay. Hey, Tim, thanks for good. joining us it's today. Always uh, it's always yeah, it's always good to to talk to you. And for a guy that has stories about everything, it's weird that you say you don't like sharing the details of your life because everybody wants to hear the details. I just of your don't want to be that guy. <laughs> That's you know. Well, yeah, it's like. 
I don't want to be the guy that's yeah. telling the same stories over and over. Listen, Tim, <laughs> I have a guy like that in my life. He's called my father-in-law, and we love it because the stories are good. So you don't want to be that guy telling like a, a lame story over and over again. But if your stories are as good as yours are, please tell us my, repeatedly. Yeah. We want yeah, to hear my, it. My wife was talking about so, – oh, we were watching a thing where the, the a blip came up and said that the trumpet player was in – Frank Zappa's band in 1971 and I go oh yeah I sat on stage next to <laughs> Ian Underwood while the Mothers of Invention played and that guy was standing right behind me oh, and my wife my looked goodness. at me and said she said of course you did <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's usually people's response like oh did. yeah of course oh, oh man so oh man all right thanks uh-huh. Tim thanks for joining us uh, we'll see everybody next week. Marin, will you please sure will. send us out? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Sunday.